I'm going to invite you, if you would, at this time to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. You know, uh, how many of you have discovered that the devil comes out of the woodwork on Sunday morning? You've noticed that? I'm telling you, all my life I've been going to church, and it seems like, you know, every day I could find what I need getting ready in the morning except Sunday, you know. So I long time ago I just decided I was going to write down to the minutest little detail, have everything set out and ready to go Sunday morning because I didn't want the devil to upset my spirit before I had to minister in the spirit. Amen. And uh, but uh, we've we've had Murphy's law in full effect all morning. Things that could go wrong did, <laughs> you know. And uh, the one good thing was that the radio uh, transmitter uh, it, it worked for the drive-in service, but we had we had some complications right at the beginning, and then it fell out it fell off of its perch onto the ground, and it worked perfect then. So uh, I, I don't know what the moral of that story is, but uh, but anyway, uh, we got it worked out. And we had a good time. Uh, and everybody was giving me the thumbs up from the car. You know, once when it fell on, I said, whoop, the transmitter fell on the ground. They're like, we can hear now. <laughs> and uh, so uh, anyway, uh, that, that was exciting. And uh, I, I just, uh, I, I'm really happy to see you in the house of the Lord. Pastor Mrs. Eckleberry, welcome back from Colorado. And we love you. And we're... And... Uh, it's, it's good to see so many of you. Uh, Brother Max was here. He's recuperating from surgery. He had hernia surgery on Monday. and We're glad that he made it uh, today. And uh, it was good to see just a number of other folks that we hadn't seen in so long uh, this morning. Psalm chapter 34. And the Bible says here, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them, that fear Him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. O fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want in them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto Me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord." What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. Well, that would be a great few verses to just put up everywhere in these cities that have gone crazy, wouldn't it? Um, you know, it seems like the people that want to loot the stores and burn the buildings at one time might have been singing... Uh, you know, all we're saying is give peace a chance. And I guess they didn't give it too good a chance, did they? But, uh, but I think, you know, the Bible really does have the answer. Look, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. 
The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of His servants, and none of them that trust in Him shall be desolate. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, we pray that as we look into the Word of God today, that You would look into our hearts, and that You would stir us and touch us. Lord, convict us where it is needed, and Lord, comfort us where that is needed. God, I pray that if there's someone listening, perhaps on the internet or here in this service that does not know Thee as their Savior, that today might be the day of salvation for them. Lord, use me and fill me, I pray, with Thy Holy Spirit. For this I ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. This morning I want to bring you a message entitled, A Portrait of God. A Portrait of God. I've shared with a few folks that over the last week or so, Linda and I have been moving into a new home. Uh, the Lord provided the opportunity for us to move, and we've taken that opportunity. And, uh, you know, we've lived in the same house for about 17 and a half years, and we have a big family, uh, six kids and six grandkids. And it seems like even the ones that left the nest left their stuff in the nest. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? And uh, they meant to come and get it, they just never did. So we had the task of trying to filter through all the stuff that was left in the nest. And, uh, you know, we're finding stuff we forgot we had. In fact, I've, I've opened a few boxes in the last couple of weeks that hadn't been opened in 17 years. <laughs> and, and, you know, they say if you haven't used it in so many months, you just need to get rid of it, you know. And somebody said if you don't love something, you know, you need to purge it. And uh, it's amazing what I loved and Linda hated. You know, we're, when we're going back and forth, you know, she's moving it to the Goodwill box and I'm moving it back into the Keep box. And, but uh, as we're going through things, we found a box that had all kinds of neat old mementos from the kids growing up. There was their baby books in there, some of their uh, kindergarten report cards and all of their little works of art from Sunday school. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You mamas, you've got books and boxes just like that, don't you? I, I know you do, uh, Mimi. And so we're going through this, and i got to tell you, it was really a time waster because then what you find yourself doing is, is reminiscing. You're sitting in the middle of the floor going through pictures and stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about. Three hours later, you haven't packed or purged a single thing, but man, you've had a great time, haven't you? And, and we're going through this, and we're finding the works of art of Timothy and Phoebe and Becky when they were just knee-high to a tadpole. And, uh, and we're looking, and, and I remember them giving me some of these pictures, you know, and it's like, Dad, look, I drew a picture of you. This is you, and this is Mom, and this is me, and this is Phoebe, and, and you know, and I'm like, I'm scratching my head and thinking, you got to be kidding me, dude. That doesn't look at all like me. You, you know, most of them were like stick figures, so in that respect, it did look like me because I'm skinny as a post, but I heard that laugh. It was a muffled laugh, but I heard it. 
Anyway, I, I thought, that doesn't look a bit like me. But it was their portrait of me. And so, you know what, I fussed over it. We put it on the fridge, you know, and, and, uh, and preserved it for posterity's sake. And we got some good laughs out of it, you know. And it reminds me of the story of little Johnny who was in Sunday school. And the teacher gave all the kids an assignment to color a picture of their favorite Bible character or event. And uh, the pastor was going through the Sunday school and looking at all the many works of art, and he came to Johnny's uh, table, and he was looking down and said, uh, Johnny, what are you working on? And there was Johnny, man. He was going through the Crayola box, and he had his tongue, and he was working on his masterpiece, and he said, well, but preacher, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. Oh, and the preacher said, well, uh, that's nice, Johnny, but you know, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. And God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So really, nobody even knows what God looks like. And Johnny looked up without missing a beat and said, they will when I'm done. You see, he had in his mind an image of what he thought God must look like. But do you know what I found? That in these verses that we shared this morning, David, who authored this psalm, gives us a portrait of God. And although maybe it doesn't give us the physical image, it just the same gives us a portrait of God and gives us, if you would, a caricature of who our God is in a very specific way. I want you to notice as we consider this passage, verse 4, I sought the Lord and He what? Heard me. He heard me. Um, do you know, how many of you have ever been around somebody that's hard of hearing? The other day I called my dad, okay? And my dad is hard of hearing. And uh, I was saying, Dad, you know, hey, I'll pick you up for lunch. Um, I'll, be, I'll be by at you know, 12.30. He's like, huh? What? What? I'm like, Dad, do you have your hearing aids in? And he couldn't hear me to, to beat the band. You know I mean? He, was, he could not hear me. But, you know, listen... The Lord is in hard of hearing. What did it say? I sought the Lord and He, he heard me. Look at verse number 6. This poor man cried in the Lord. What? You see a theme developing here? Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His what? His ears are what? Open under their cry. Let's look at verse number 17. The righteous cry and the Lord what? Hear it. So, I want you to notice in this portrait of God, first of all, the ears of the Lord. The ears of the Lord. Now, when I was in Bible college, there was a kid in my dorm who was profoundly hard of hearing and he had these big old honking hearing aids. And it was a good thing they were big old honking because he had big old ears. The guys used to call him Dumbo and play with his ears all the time because, I mean, he just had whoppers there. And, uh, I mean, they were, they were big. And uh, it, a stiff wind came along, he would get air, you know. And, but, uh, but he had those in and every once in a while we'd play games with him. Not me, but other people in the, in the dorm. I would never do a thing like that. <laughs> And uh, and they'd wait for him to lay down and take a nap, and then they would they would get his hearing aids and they would take the batteries out of them, <laughs> you know. And uh, he and he'd be you know put put those things on, and he'd mess with the volume and everything, and and uh, and then and then he'd finally figure out and he'd put the batteries back in, and he'd get them all dialed in and tuned up, and and then we'd be like, and he's like playing with, we're like. And he's like, 
What? 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 <laughs> and, of course, you never would have done anything like that, would you? But, you know, I'm going to tell you something. The ears of the Lord, the Bible says, are open to our cries. He doesn't have hearing aids. He doesn't need batteries. And it doesn't matter how far away you may seem to be, He can still hear you. The fact is that the Bible tells us in verse number 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their cry. And you know what that means? That the Lord is waiting to hear from you. My aunt is here. Her mama is my grandmama. A year ago, just about, my grandma went to be with the Lord at the age of 100. And uh, Aunt Arlene and Uncle Lyle know this. Latter days of her life, she couldn't get out of bed. She just stayed in one spot. You know what she would typically do? She'd sit there in the bed and she'd watch the news and she would read her Bible but she had a cell phone in the pocket of her apron. And it was right there. And she would hold it or keep it right there in her lap. And you know what? She just would sit there and wait for it to ring. Did you ever see her do that? She just wanted the kids to call. She wanted the grandkids to call. She wanted family to call. She wanted friends to call. And, uh, and, and you know what? Uh, you'd call and she'd say, How come you never call? I haven't heard from you in a long time, right? Some of your parents, some of your grandparents, and you know what it feels like when somebody just calls to say, I didn't have anything to say, just wanted to chat, how you doing, right? And, you know, my grandma was just sitting there wanting to hear from her kids. You know, I imagine that the Lord... Some days is just sitting there waiting to hear from you. But the phone doesn't ring. His ears are open. He's ready. He's ready to talk. They're open under the cry. But He doesn't hear from us. I want you to know that you can talk to Him because He's listening. His head is tilted down and His ear is inclined towards you. He cares about what you have to say. There have been many times I've been talking to someone and I thought, they're not listening to me. They're not listening to me a lick. Right? I hear that a lot from my wife. She says, you're not listening to me. <laughs> She'll want me to turn off the news or put down the cell phone. But the Lord, His ear is open and listening. So we see the ears of the Lord as we begin to see a picture emerge of the portrait of of God. We, we notice, secondly, the eyes of the Lord. The eyes. Now, that's an important part, isn't it? Of a portrait. And the Bible says in verse number 15, if you would look at it with me, please, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Now, you know, I've heard a fair amount of preaching in my day. People say, man, the eyes of the Lord are in all the earth. They run to and fro throughout all the earth. And man, God's going to get you. God is watching because He wants to smack you upside the head if He catches you doing something wrong. And you know, I've heard that kind of preaching. But you know, I, I went through the Bible this week and I read every time it talked about the eyes of the Lord. And it never one time said, the Lord is watching to smack you upside the head. Never said that. 
That was what some people, religious people, surmised from their ideology of God, but it did not come from a biblical portrait of the Lord. The truth is that the Lord is watching over His uh, kids so that He can take care of them and look to their needs. He's watching out for us. He sends His angels to encamp, the Bible says in verse number 7, round about them that fear Him and delivereth them. And so, What we notice about the eyes of the Lord is that they are upon us and that He's watching out for us and He's looking to meet the needs of our life. Now, the other day, the the boys, uh, Cole and Hunter, uh, wanted to go out to to the swimming pool. And uh, Tim and Phoebe were out there and and, uh, they said to to Rachel, we'll watch the boys and no no problem. And, And they got busy kind of playing. I got a little nervous about it. And I decided I'm going to go out there and just keep an eye on the boys. Right? Now, do you think I went out by the pool to yell at them if they splashed water on the pool deck? No. you think I went out there to coach them on how to properly do the butterfly? Or how to do a proper breaststroke or freestyle? You know, listen, I didn't go out there to yell at them because they weren't doing, you know, their dog paddling just so. I went out there because I love them. And because I love them, guess what? I said, I'm watching you. Not because I wanted to let them have it, but because I didn't want anything to happen to them. Because I love them. Do you know what? The Lord is watching out for you. Not because He wants to smack you down, but because He loves you. And He doesn't want anything to happen to you either that is outside of the purview of His will for you. And we need to understand that that has everything to do with how we paint the eyes in this portrait. They're not angry eyes. But I want us to notice not only the eyes of the Lord and the ears of the Lord, but the heart of the Lord. Because if we understand something about the heart, that helps us know how to paint those ears, doesn't it? They're kind of bent down to listen. That kind of helps us know how to paint the eyes. They're full of love and not anger. It comes from His heart. And what we see in verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Can I ask you a question? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I sat this week with someone that poured their heart out with tears, just weeping, and said, I'm afraid I'm going to live out my life insolvent and alone. And they were afraid. And you know what I wanted to do right then? Listen. I wanted to look at them with eyes that cared And let them know you have my attention. I wanted them to know that in my chest was a heart that felt what they were afraid of. And I cared. I'm by no means the portrait of God. But I understand that God is working on me. And He's making a masterpiece. 1 Peter chapter 3 Verses 1-3 through tells me that when the masterpiece is done, 
it's going to look just like Jesus. Do you know every once in a while, I wonder if people don't just look at me and think I'm some sort of crazy stick figure compared to what God wants me to be, what He wants me to look like. The fact is, when we look at the Lord, we, we see His heart. It's towards us. Verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Can I say this to you? I'm talking to people today that have a broken heart. I don't know the burdens that you carry. Perhaps I may know some, but there are those that are broken hearted because you have children that were raised to love God and they have no use for Him now. You have grandchildren that you would lay down your life for and never think twice. And they're not being raised in the ways of the Lord and your heart is broken. Many of you have people that you love and care for that are addicted to drugs or alcohol. They've lost their way and your heart is broken. You have loved ones that are ill. You have fears within and without. And your heart is broken. And the Bible says the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Can you begin to see the heart of God? Can you begin to understand then how to paint the ears? And how to detail those eyes? Maybe with a tear of compassion. We see His heart. Would you notice also with me in verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What did God do? He delivered me. We see again, verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. In verse 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them from all their troubles. In verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. The strong hand of the Lord will deliver you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 118, verses 15 and 16, two times it says, The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. His nail-scarred hand will do valiantly for you. He's able to deliver you. And the Lord delights to show Himself strong in our behalf. When I was a junior higher, I went on a camping trip with a buddy of mine from school. And he had a brother that was a year older that was friends with my brother Paul. And so we went with their parents on a, on a camp out. And they, they had a, a school bus that they converted into an RV. And it was really nice. And we went to Kings Canyon National Park up in the Central Valley of, of California. And we looked at the sequoias and, and the beautiful mountains and all of the, the beautiful scenery. And some of you have been there and you know. And uh, one day we went to Kings Canyon Falls. And it's a massive waterfall. And from the place where the falls spill over the crest there, it's about 700 feet down to the bottom of the waterfall. And 
On either side of the falls is a rock face that slopes downward. And back then they didn't really have fencing up there and signs to keep everybody away from it. And boys being boys, we wanted to get a little closer look. And so we decided we were going to try to get a little closer to the edge so that we could see all the way down to the bottom. We could see the the water uh, rising up, the, the mist coming off. We could hear the thunder of it. We wanted to get a little closer look. And so I got out ahead of everybody. And, and I, I got out on that rock face and I got on some loose rock. And that rock began to give way underneath me. It turned to rubble and I'm starting to slide down this rock face. And, and I'm, I'm like, help! Help! And, 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 and I'm, 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 I turn, I thought I'm going to lay on my, on my, on my tummy and, and I'm starting grabbing at a stick and it pulls out of the, mountainside and the, and the rock and the rocks are, are going around me and, and I'm grabbing all, anything that I can find, little, little things that were growing up out of the rock and it would pull right out and I'm hanging on and my fingernails are being bent back and my fingers are now bleeding because I'm digging them into the rocks and I'm trying to hold on because I know I'm going to die and I, and I literally was sliding to my death. It was certain death. And I called for my brother Paul, help! And uh, he saw what was going on and he tried to get to me, but it was too far. He couldn't reach me. So he got my uh, uh, the, our friends and they, they tried to form a human chain, but he wasn't quite long enough to get to me. And they were calling for other people to come and it wasn't quite enough for him to reach to where I was. And I continued to slide inch by inch and I'm crying and I'm shaking all over from head to toe for fear and for stress, just trying to dig my fingers into the rock face of that sloping downward place on the rocks and they put their belts together and they tied them all together in a chain and, and, and they maybe had eight or ten feet of belt and one person at the end put his arm in the loop of that belt that was tied to a post. I think it was the sign that said, don't get too close to the edge. And, uh, and then people formed a human chain arm in arm and it wasn't quite enough and so... Robert, my brother's friend, said, Paul, why don't you lay down? I'll grab your ankles. And so they formed a human chain that way, and he grabbed my brother's ankles. And my brother laid down across that that rock face, and he extended his hand to me, and it came just within my reach. Some of you look a little nervous. I survived this. Just just saying. And and I reached, and I, I took his hand. And you know, then I got both hands on his arm. And, and, and all those grown-ups at the top started walking backwards and helping him until we could get solid footing. And I was delivered. What was it? It was the hand. The outstretched hand of my brother. But you know, let me say this, the outstretched nail-scarred hand of our Savior doesn't need any help. And He's able to save us. And so, would you see His ears? They're inclined to you. And His eyes. You've got His attention. He's watching and looking. He cares. Would you see His heart? Would you see His hands? We're getting a picture of God. You can trust 
those nail-scarred hands. They're mighty to save. And the Lord delights to save us. You know, when I was pastoring in California, I, I hired a fellow named Jim. Jim had an adopted son named Krishan. And every Sunday, Jim would bring Krishan. He, Jim was about 6'3 or 4, and Krishan was about that big at that time. And, and he would, he'd hold, it, hold his daddy's hand, and they'd come up to pastor. And uh, Krishan would come and just wrap his arms around my, my legs. And, and Jim would say, Krishan, who's the strongest man in the world? And he'd go, and point to his dad. <laughs> you know? And then he'd say, who's the second strongest man in the world? Then he'd point to me. And I'd get down there and say, you know, I think you got that reversed. And he's like, now my daddy is the strongest man in the world. And you know, that daddy would just swell up with pride in his heart, you know. That little boy thought, my, nothing my dad can't do. He's got a strong hand. My daddy can do curls with me, and he can lift me up, and he can carry me wherever I need to go. And do you know what? I've got to tell you something. We have a Heavenly Father that loves it. When His kids think, the arm and the hand of my Father is mighty to save. He delights in that. Do you see something now about this picture? Beginning to take shape in our minds. But I want you to notice finally with me His face. The face of the Lord. The Bible says in verse 5, they looked unto Him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. As we consider this again, the Bible says in verse 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now folks, I just want to say this to you. In verse 5, they looked into the face of God. And you know what happened? They were enlightened. They saw themselves as they really were. And it awakened within them their need of God. Just like Isaiah of old, who saw a vision of the holy and saw himself as woefully undone. You see, he looked into the face of God and by the light, the Shekinah of the countenance in the face of God came to a place of comfort and peace. And what we need today is for this old world that's gone crazy to see a vision of the holy. To look full in the face of Jesus. Not to demand justice and to see someone put to death or put in prison. You know what? That's not going to make anybody feel better. That's not going to change anybody's life if, if some cop that did something stupid gets put to, How's that going to change your life? Well, it's going to make me feel better. Wonderful. How's that going to change your life? It's not. Well, they deserve to protest. Well, well how is them looting the Target store helping anyone? How's that helping anybody get justice? It doesn't. Folks, I'm just I'm talking to you candidly, objectively, rationally, biblically. There are a lot of folks here that hear that kind of stuff and they oh you don't understand. No, I do understand. You know, I wonder how many people of a different color have died in your arms. I've had more than one. With bullet wounds? One with a pool cue through his heart. 
Listen, I'm not boasting, but I'm just simply saying, folks, what this world needs is a vision of the holy. It would change everything. You know, I am so sorry that that man named George in Minneapolis died. And I'm sorry about how he died. I hate it. And so do you. But you know what? I don't hear anybody saying, I pray that he went to heaven. Because I'm going to tell you something, okay? George got justice. Whatever that meant in the economy of God. He already got his justice. Do you know what I deserve apart from God? To be killed by a mean policeman and go to a devil's hell. That's what I deserve. That's what anybody that's not a true believer in Jesus Christ has coming to them. That's their justice. But do you know what? When we consider that the face of the Lord is against them to do evil, we know that one day God is going to make everything that's wrong right. But not yet. And so more than we need to go to arms and make placards and go down burn tires in the street, get on CNN. You know what we need to do? We need to get on fire for the Lord and realize that people that maybe are being mistreated have an eternal soul and they're going to spend forever somewhere and more than they need justice in this life, they need justice before the Lord. And the only one that can provide that is Jesus. And when we look into the face of God, we realize what we really deserve. But we realize for those that are His kids that He really does love us. I have a beautiful picture of my mother holding Phoebe when she was an infant. She and my dad had come to visit and she was sitting on the love seat in our family room and the light was just peeking through the drapes. And it's one of those moments that was a Kodak moment where the light was just shining on the baby, and it was like it was reflecting up onto her face, and she was holding the baby just like this, and looking at Phoebe so adoringly. It just stir your heart. My friends, you know what? That's how I imagine God looking at me. It's not that He's mean and angry. No, He's, he's broken hearted when I'm broken hearted. He's right there with me. The face of the Lord is against the evil worker, but you know what? He's looking at His kids lovingly. And He's there for us. What we need to do is we need to turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. Here's what I want to say to you and I'm done. The Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. May I say this to you, my friend, that God is molding a masterpiece in you.
And when he's done, it's going to look just like Jesus. That's his purpose. And I'm afraid that too many times people look at this guy. They see some crazy stick figure that doesn't look at all like Jesus. But I want to. I want others to see a reflection of the living Lord in my life because He's called me to be a part of the body of Christ. His ears, His eyes, His heart, His hands, His face, His feet. I wonder when others look at us, they say, you know, that guy looks just like Jesus. I'm reminded in John chapter 12, the Gentiles came to Philip and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. There are disillusioned and frightened people in this world that are wanting to find something that's real. And they're looking at the church, and I wonder what they see there. I wonder, do they see Jesus there? Portrait of God. Thank the Lord He gave it to us. Would to God, people would see us and say, you're looking more like Jesus every day. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word. Thank You, Lord, for a beautiful portrait of our God. Lord, I pray that You would help us to have the desire and passion to be Your masterpiece. Lord God, I pray that You would be with everyone that is of a heavy heart, even as You have promised here in Your Word. And Lord, may it be our desire to be more like You with every passing day. Our heads are bowed for just a moment. I wonder today if there's someone that is seated in this auditorium that would simply say, Pastor, I'm not really certain that if I died today that I would go to heaven, but I'm concerned about it. And if that's you, I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to remember you in prayer. And if that's you today, I wonder if you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm just not certain that if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Here's my hand. Pray for me. Is there one at all? Then I wonder if perhaps there's someone that would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I'm sure of it. But I'm afraid that sometimes I look like a crazy stick figure. And I don't look at all like the masterpiece God wants to form me into. Pray for me because I want to look like the Lord Jesus more with every passing day. Here's my hand. Pray for me. God bless you. Many hands. Many hands. It's my prayer that those people that are frightened and disillusioned in this world might see Jesus in us. Might they see the difference in you. God is molding you into His masterpiece. And when He's done, 
you'll look just like Jesus. Let him do his work and determine to look more like him with every passing day. Lord Jesus, help us. Sometimes we're just so frail and we just look like a crazy stick figure and not our Savior. We confess that we need You. Thank You for these dear people. Thank You for Your Word. Continue using it in our lives long after this service is over. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen.